0: Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello, and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Welcome to all of our Pine Nuts. This is the first time I get to say that, and hopefully it's not the last time. In case you are unfamiliar with why I said welcome to our Pine Nuts, that is what the band Pine Grove, what their fans are known as. So I'm welcoming everyone to our Pine Grove episode. I don't know, this feels so (laughs) random. I just wanted to welcome Pine Nuts, that's all. But today is our Pine Grove episode. We will be going track by track through Pine Grove's latest album, Marigold, and we'll give you all of our thoughts on that album and basically anything else we feel like talking about
1: regarding Pine Grove. Before we dive deep into Marigold, we want to take a quick moment and let you know about the track Language from the band Stable Meat. Now, this is the band's first song, and it's pretty impressive for a first track. It is pure, it's blissful, it's dynamic, it's explosive, it's nostalgic, so many great qualities about the song. If you like it be on the lookout cuz Stablemate will be releasing a record later this year so be on the lookout for that and here's a quick clip of language right now will be shapeless if i just
0: So, Nate, why don't you start out by telling us how you discovered Pine Grove?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I fell in love in 2015 with the record Peripheral Vision by Turnover. And that kind of opened my eyes to the record label Run for Cover. And I think Me Without You around that time was joining Run For Cover as well, and I was a, I'm was a lifelong Me Without You fan. so Or maybe that happened after, but either way, things were coming to a head where I was like, hey, I gotta make sure I know who's on Run For Cover because there's a lot of good bands. So I checked out a lot of the bands and found some cool stuff, but then through following their social media, they announced the signing of Pine Grove and the release of Cardinal, and I was like, hey, let me check this out. And honestly, I didn't love it. it I I was like, oh, this this is kind of cool. This has some cool stuff I like. But I I didn't really like it as a whole. I was like, I wasn't in love with it. I wasn't a big fan. But it's funny. Some records like that, Andrew, and I don't know if you have these as well. Even though you tell yourself, you're like, oh, I don't like really like this. It's just okay. Some records like that, you, like, can't stop listening to. (laughs) And so, like, I kept going back and kept going back. And then all of a sudden, one day, it wasn't, oh, I think they're okay. It was, like, holy Camoli, I just made up a word. Holy ravioli, give me the formioli. I love this band. And so... So, yeah, that's kind of how it started for me, and then I've just been following them ever since. So, Andrew, would you like to share your little Pine Grove story? Sure.
0: So I discovered Pine Grove from that old saying, hey, Andrew, you should listen to Pine Grove. That that (laughs) It is an old saying. It is an old saying. And Nate would say that very often. And finally, I was like, fine, i got to get this guy off my back. I'll (laughs) listen to Pine Grove. And then I listened, and I was like, I don't like it. I don't I don't like it. And Nate by this point was also a huge fan of Pine Grove. Also shout out to Tori, big fan of Pine Grove. I trust both of their music tastes, mostly Tori's, but yeah, Nate occasionally. Yep. And and so I was like, I should like Pine Grove. So I'm sure you've been here, Nate, because I know for a fact that I've told you about bands that you haven't dug and you almost like try to force yourself to like it. And that usually doesn't work. It's like you're trying to like it and you're trying to find good stuff, but then it's just not clicking. And because your expectations are you're going into it and you're going to love it, then when you don't love it, It almost feels like you hate it, even if you just are like fine with it. And so that's almost where I was with Pine Grove. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stop trying to listen to Pine Grove. I need to let this happen naturally. Nate did a great job of agreeing kind of with that premise and like you're just going to like listen to Pine Grove in your own time and your own way. So I tried to listen to, to Cardinal. I liked Skylight a little bit more, but I still wasn't a huge fan, and then they started releasing singles for Marigold, and I liked the singles, and I told Nate, like, I think this is happening, like, I think think we're getting there, and so just a little bit still of my background, because we're about to talk about Marigold, I'm not gonna have a ton of insight on their old stuff, because I still feel like I am a new Pine Grove fan, and... I've really been just trying to let this album sink in, and then I will go back to their old albums, and I think that I'm going to get a lot more out of it, kind of knowing more about Pine Grove, what their strengths are, and be listening for those types of things that I think I will like their old albums more, so just give me a chance there, but if you want to talk about pine grove just as a band you should just hit up nate because he's your guy <laughs> and uh, and he'll have a lot more context we'll see if he's going to bring up any any old pine grove in this episode but i will tell you first first and foremost i will not be i will really just refocus on on marigold today so nate are you ready to jump into our track by track review of marigold yes sir Alright, so our first track is going to be called Dotted Line.
1: So, Nate, what's your thoughts on Dotted Line? Yeah, so this song kind of paints a picture of blind hope in the midst of, like, a restlessness. And obviously the main refrain in the chorus is, "'Cause I don't know how, but I think it will all work out." And that's that line... Of probably all the lines on the record, from what I've seen of Pine Grove fans, that's the line that's stuck out to people the most. That's the one that's resonated the most with. And it's one of their few lines on the record that's just like that's like very general. They have a lot of very specific lines on this record. They don't have as many overarching statements. So there's definitely um there's definitely some on here. But the song sonically and vocally kind of rests in this in-between space of things aren't working out, but I know they, or I'm hoping they will. It doesn't sound happy. It doesn't sound sad, but it also, it doesn't sound apathetic either. It's not like that type of in-between. It sounds more like it's lingering. It's just like kind of floating there. And I think that really connect strongly with the lyrics. And I'm assuming dotted line is thematically a reference to borders. Um, It might have some more meanings. But I think a cool insight, which might be a reach on my part, is that a dotted line both divides, but there's also openings. And so I think Evan uses this image specifically to communicate both walls that he feels like are up in his life, but also the opportunity to break through. Um, And not only that, but maybe even the potential to return if he leaves those borders, if they remain dotted. So almost like I'm crossing this border, I'm crossing this dotted line, but I can return because it's dotted and there's gaps and it's not final. And I don't know, that was kind of what I took from it. Um, But overall, I think it's a solid first track. Andrew, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, this song starts the album out great. In lieu of an intro, they just jump right into the verse, and the song feels like it grabs you right away. My favorite parts of this song are the melodies, which will be a theme for me kind of on this entire album. And I really just love the vocals, the harmonies, the falsetto... The guitar lead line after the chorus and at the end, there's so many cool elements of the song that they can put together. I do think this is one of the smoothest and best sounding guitars on the album is kind of that that lead line after the chorus and at the end. And so I love those those elements. I really love the lyrical ideas that he brings up through the song. And I really like just the kind of the subtle changes that he makes to the lyrics to create really cool kind of poetic uh, natures in the song. So I'll bring up kind of what he does in the first and the second verse. So he uses the line in the first verse, may no fantasy hold my head up, nor may no memory fold my head in. And then he swaps the words fantasy and memory and does that in the second verse, same line, just swapping those words, and it now says, no may no memory hold my head up, nor may no fantasy fold my head in. Now, I I feel bad for Evan because he's got to remember that every time they do the song live, <laughs> that small change, but I think it's so cool lyrically, those are kind of the lines that he's coming back to, and how the first verse kind of talks fantasies, then the second more memory, and it kind of just... Just swaps those words and it's subtle, but I think it's a really cool thing, and I have not seen that used very often. So I think it's a great song, starts the album off on a really high note. All right, let's move to track two. Track two is called Spiral.
1: Nate, what are your thoughts on spiral? So Andrew, how short is this track? Approximately. It's like a minute. Yeah. That's it's a little less than a minute. Yeah. Wouldn't you know, this happens to be by far my longest take I'm about to give (laughs) on the track. That's less than a minute. And I apologize, Andrew, because you'll probably need to take my half an hour rambling here and, and condense it. But I'm not going to talk for that long, maybe like 28 <laughs> minutes. So there's a lot packed in here, despite it being such a quick track. I think the lyrical structure is wicked sick. It's like extremely narrow. And no line is more than three words. And so it like funnels down. It it looks kind of like a spiral would. The actual lyrics. Mm. The song talks about struggling with loss and the need for and the positive effects of love and being seen. So first, I want to quickly touch on the shape of a spiral because I don't think that reference here is simply to hair. But it's even more importantly, in my mind, a path of sadness and hopelessness. A spiral is cycling. It's cyclical. But it's also can descend. It's not like a cyclical where you stay on the same plane. You're getting lower and lower with each cycle. And it's repetitive. It's habitual. Things don't stay the same. They get worse. And so I think an interesting observation is the imagery of mourning, and its wordplay in the song. So Andrew was talking about wordplay with dotted line. This song starts off saying drink water, good posture, good lighting, good evening, your morning. And so that morning is a OU morning, like grieving. And at the end... That whole section transitions to a different type of morning where it says drink water, good posture, good lighting, good evening, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning I see you. And so this morning is the usual morning, just one that we think of and often refer to time of day. And I think it's interesting that in the midst of morning, and by morning I mean grieving, it feels like morning as in the time of day, or light, or hope, or rest, or peace, will never come. But the mourning process is still very important. This song displays how after going through it, with the help of others, through their love and through their presence, there is a way to reach another day. There's another day we get to live. There is a morning. There is new mercies. And though we won't ever get back what's lost, and that pain will always be there, we also get to move forward and live being seen, being known, and being loved by those close to us. We no longer have to continue spiraling. Or, I would argue, maybe accepting this love allows us day after day to slowly spiral upwards in the opposite direction. And so... Sorry, if you are still listening to the podcast, thanks for for being patient with my explanation, but those are my thoughts on the track. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Oh, also, it's a great track. What are your thoughts, Andrew?
0: Yeah, I think that was a really good explanation of some really cool things in the song that I hadn't really thought through, and uh, a good explanation of why the song is good. I'm going to be honest. I don't like the song. Wow. It's actually my least favorite track, and I'm going to say by quite a bit. I've tried to like this track. I've I've listened a bunch and the track has never grown on me. It's the same that it was before and it just feels flat. Now, the nice thing is it's 1 minute, so whatever. It's not a big part of the album and it's not a, no matter how much I might dislike it, it couldn't ruin the album for me because of how short it is. The only thing is because I don't love it, I also don't like the track placement of it at 2 because it feels like I just kind of was starting to get into a Pine Grove album with track one, and I don't really know what the album's going to be like yet. And then all of a sudden track two hits, and I don't love it. It's a short track. doesn't really do anything for me in furthering the album. So those are maybe some cons to the pros that you pointed out. And... I would assume most people listening are going to agree with Nate that they like this track, but I'm just going to be honest. I, I just, I don't love the song and I don't love the track placement because I don't love the song.
1: Yeah. Well, Pine Nuts don't love you, so that's cool. <laughs> they
0: don't love me. And uh, and I'm still trying to get into the Pine Nuts uh, fan club, and they are definitely not going to let me in after <laughs> what I just said about track two
1: actually before we move into track three i wanted to actually respond to you really quick and just totally shit on you no i'm just kidding please no what what i was gonna say is funnily enough with your explanation at the beginning this is actually feels somewhat like an older pine grove song Mm. and they had on everything so far which was it's almost like a compilation album it's not like a normal release but it's their mm-hmm. first album however you want to view it um though i usually refer to cardinal as a first album but anyways let's get out of the weeds they have like four or five tracks on there that are less than two minutes wow like they have a lot of like really short quick tracks and even on um skylight like they have probably like three or four songs like that and they just add a different feel and they definitely create a unique pacing, Pine Grove does, and most other artists with that. And having it up front is not at all unusual or not at all weird for them, even though for yeah. other artists, it's like you never see stuff like that. Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is you not liking it somewhat Makes sense with you not being the biggest fan of past Pine Grove stuff.
0: Yeah. And not knowing the history of Pine Grove, that hurts me in this, in this instance. So if you've been listening to Pine Grove for a while and you're like thinking that my take is completely stupid, it (laughs) probably is, but also maybe keep in mind that this might be the same take that someone who's brand new to Pine Grove, such as me, that that might be the same take that they have. So, um, I don't know. Just be nice to people and their takes, and especially me because I'm very sensitive.
1: Okay, I would. Sorry, I'm gonna sh- <laughs> one more time. I would take like to take thirty seconds and s- go on a tirade of band fandom really quick. Mm-hmm. You can love a band; it's a subjective love. You get to choose whether you love an artist based off of the quality of their music or just based off of a commitment to the band. A lot of fans of bands, they don't care what the music sounds like. No matter what, through thick and thin, they're going to be there, they're going to be supporting. And I'm not saying they don't care, but if anybody criticizes anything, they just go off the rails. Mm -hmm. And I think usually that type of fandom is unhealthy, where it's okay for other people to not like the band you like or the artist you like. People have different music listening, different ears, and no band is perfect. Mm-hmm. No band has never made a mistake. And so just because you might not find it a flaw doesn't mean others don't. That doesn't mean they're terrible people or hate the band or whatever. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with Andrew pushing for more peace and understanding mm-hmm. within fandoms and the music community. It's not the end of the world we're happy you love everything this this artist does, and I don't want to talk about Pinegrove. I'm talking about whatever band you're a diehard fan of. So,
0: well, very good points, Nate. And with that, we're going to transition to track three. Track three is called "The Alarmist." All right, Nate, what do you think about track three, The Alarmist?
1: Yeah, so the first two songs overall haven't been... Like, really fast-paced yet. spirals slower, dotted line. I think it's lingering, as I said, in that medium pace. The Alarm is still another slower track, I would argue. But despite being a slower song, it's still extremely dynamic, especially mm-hmm. in the second half. I mean, the second half is really where all the action happens. And I think it's potentially the most beautiful song on the album, mm-hmm. just from a sonic standpoint. Um, lyrically, an image comes to mind of a kid who kind of lost a bet where the penalty is getting punched. Like, have you ever, like, played games like that where, like, the penalty is, like, you get punched mm-hmm. or, or you get hit really hard? And I picture this kid, and he's he knows he's going to get punched, and he's pleading, cowering, please don't hit me that hard, please <laughs> don't hit me that hard. He's, like, trembling and hiding under his hands. And I think that image could definitely be applied to a breakup scenario, which mm-hmm. without the domestic abuse aspect, obviously. So we're talking more emotionally um emotional pain here. And Evan seems to know this person is about to break up with him, but he's so afraid of it hurting because he feels like he's so weak as a person and won't be able to recover. When he says, can I believe in the me before I knew you beautifully, again, another really well-written line. Mm -hmm. He's looking back on a past where he was without this person and he was okay. But at this point, he longs for restoration in the midst of his soon-to-be, or maybe better put, already shattered self. Also, I just wanted to mention the album title Marigold is mentioned in this track. Mm -hmm. A marigold can often represent both despair and grief over loss and love, but also... The Beauty and Warmth of the Rising Sun. Those were the two top explanations on the Googles. <laughs> and both of those, like death and hope, are so prevalent on this record. Um, and they fit so well within this track as well. And then backing after what I mentioned with Spiral, that definition and that understanding of Marigold fits well not only in this track, but with what I was talking about earlier with Spiral. With Spiral and the rest of the record So Andrew, what are your thoughts?
0: So I guess I should say I really like it To (laughs) be safe No, I I really do like the song It's a really solid track It was the third single So I knew it before the album Kind of had the leg up on this one The main thing that I like in this song Is Evan's vocals So it's taken me a while to like Evan's vocals I'm digging my grave once again It took me a little while I... Didn't love his vocals. They were a little bit too country sounding to me because occasionally he has kind of a a twangier sound to his vocals. I'm not a big fan of country. I'm the opposite of a big fan of country. And so just those hints were not working for me. I didn't like that. But I've grown to enjoy his vocals and what they bring. And what they tend to bring is a lot of dynamics. He sings extremely dynamic... And he has a great vocal range while he's able to slip in and out of falsetto. And I think this song is one of his best vocal performances on the album. I think he conveys emotion almost best in this track. You can just really hear in the dynamics of his vocals, you can hear just the emotion of the lyrics that he's bringing in his voice so well. Some other things I like in this track. I really like the guitar lead line again in this one. It kind of has some characteristics of a saxophone kind of towards the end. It moves pretty fast. And I was listening more passively when I first heard this. and I was like, oh, did they just have a saxophone? But it's a guitar. It just kind of how it sounded to me had kind of a, a saxophone type of sound to it. And I think it's a really cool lead line. And then once again, their dynamics as a band To me, that might be the thing that Pine Grove does best, is just loud to soft. So I'm going to mention Dynamics a bunch, um, and this song does a great job with that. All right, we're going to move on to track four. Track four is called No Drugs. Is
1: it so wrong? I want to feel good.
0: All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on
1: No Drugs? Well, I like the song. Sorry, I didn't have enough time to think of a pun.
0: I, a pun. I saw in your face you were like, I, I'm going to make a pun.
1: I'm going to do it. What am I going to do when I have a headache? i <laughs> <laughs> go not be able to take any Advil? Come on. All right, so on a serious note, the first two lines of the song are No Drugs and Alcohol Today. I want to remember everything we talk about. And so... These lines, wow, powerful, and they seem to shed light on the fact that Evan is often using drugs and alcohol to forget during this time, but this conversation is different as it's something he wants to remember, or maybe something he needs to remember. And the chorus, Evan sings, is it so wrong I want to feel good, I want to feel good, and feeling good often comes from ignoring and becoming numb to pain, to tag along with the alarmist. This song could be called The Avoider. <laughs> and, uh, but thankfully, Evan doesn't avoid the pain, though he wants to. He ends the song by singing, No drugs and alcohol tonight. I follow my shadow up and out the skylight. I can see an outline settled in the gray. And this, obviously, he's giving an ode to the last record, Skylight, as an outline is beginning to take shape. And he's beginning to find clarity in the gray from that lack of drugs, lack of alcohol, and actually looking at, dealing with, and facing his pain and insecurities and the murkiness and grayness of the situation. So, incredible song. I would argue this is sneakily one of, if not the most catchy tracks on the album. Mm-hmm like when i think when i listen i'm not like wow this is like so damn catchy and yet i never like leave listening from the song without it being stuck in my head for like the next 20 30 minutes so wicked catchy Andrew, what are your thoughts
0: yeah that's that's something i had written down that i think in certain senses it's not poppy but it is catchy and some of the elements that I think I also get stuck in my head, there's a picking guitar in it that's just, it's beautiful, and to me it's, it creates the entire groove of the song. There's also a Rhodes piano that is really awesome in it. All those elements being said, I want to just talk real quick about just an overarching thing to just point out maybe why I didn't love Pine Grove, and I think this is maybe an example of it, even though I like this song now. It's how Pine Grove has recorded and mixed their songs. They have a studio that they record all their stuff at. It's their own studio, so they do all this stuff themselves. And I think one of the things that Pine Grove is going for is to have a very raw sound to it. So the drums... It almost sounds more like it's a room mic than having individual mics on each thing. And then sometimes with guitars, it feels like instead of direct guitars, it does feel like there's a lot more reverb, um, like natural reverb, which is how they used to record the Beatles and all those, those people, but it's just not how recording is done now. Everything is so polished and perfect now, which is funny because I... I want to hear raw, but when I heard Pine Grove, it sounded almost too raw to me that it sounded more like a garage band than I wanted it to. And and it was throwing me for a loop that I felt like for a band as successful as Pine Grove is, I was like, oh, man, they can they can afford to get better recordings than this. And then I learned, I think Nate kind of walked me through like, oh, this is like what they do. It's like an intentional thing. So then I had to listen more knowing and accepting that this is what Pinegrove wants the listener to hear that this is an intentional thing that they're not just like skimping out on paying good uh, good people to do this stuff that that this is all part of the sound that they are trying to cultivate and so now kind of learning and accepting that part of them now i can enjoy pinegrove as a band but that's what was throwing me this song, I would say, is a song that I have more problems with the general mix. Uh, I mentioned I love the Rhodes Piano, but when it comes in, it's a little bit too loud for me. And some of the other elements that I'm just like, I would mix it differently, personally. And I'm listening more with kind of that, that producer engineering mindset. But I know that, that what they are releasing is what they want listeners to to hear and the the representation of the band and so I support that I love bands just doing something because they're passionate about it and I think that that's what Pine Grove is as far as production goes I just thought I'd take the chance to mention that now so if you weren't out on my takes now you completely are I'm going to stop mentioning things that I dislike I just wanted to kind of give some reasons for initially I didn't love Evan's voice right away and I didn't love their production those were the two things um, that I think I brought up to Nate right away and I've grown to appreciate both of them I've grown to like Evan's voice, I've more just grown to appreciate the the mixing and production that they have for this.
1: Kid. Dude. Yeah. Chief. Yeah. You think you're so smart? You think you're better than Pine Grove? Huh? You think you're better than Pine Grove? <laughs> no. Nope. Huh? Well, should we call no, you I, Mr. I... Mixer? Because <laughs> you, you know how to mix everything, huh? You can, you can call me Sir Mix a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at your service, Sir Mixalac. <laughs> Sir Mixalac goes to Camelot.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna be my debut album. All right, let's move on to track number five. Track number five is called Moment. Yeah. Nate, this was the first single from Marigold and it's the track moment. What are your thoughts?
1: So I really, first off, wanted to take a moment to just talk about how bad of opinions Andrew has, <laughs> but no, again. I'm like, for those who aren't catching on, I'm ironically like feeding in to that, like hate fandom culture <laughs> thing. So don't think I'm being hypocritical right now. This is all a joke. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, So the song placement makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Being back to back with no drugs. It's this moment of realization that despite being scared, he needs to know the truth. And that though he's afraid of the moment, there's something in it for him. There's something there despite not knowing what it is. And he just needs to look for it and figure it out. And I think that's so true for so much of our pain that Something is being communicated to us about ourselves or about our situation through our pain. And we have the choice to ignore that pain or to stare it in the face and learn about ourselves or learn about our situation. Moment, as Andrew shared, was the first single. And it's easily one of the most energetic tracks on the album. I think Pine Grove obviously has like a ton of great slow ballads or slower hits. But I would personally argue like a huge staple for me is their like fast paced tracks um and their energy and their mo well, not emotion, because emotion's in the slower pace too, but I would say like driving emotion and dynamic yeah. emotion. Yep. And so All of that, combined with the fact that the first four tracks, relatively speaking, have been either medium or slower tracks, this is a huge breath of fresh air at this point on the album. So I think the track placement's huge as well, not just from back-to-back with No Drugs, but also within the overall album. I think Pine Grove's... At their very best on songs like this, they're not a band like Turnover or some death metal band where I want everything at the same pace. So having a wide variety of tempos and you talked about dynamics, all that's extremely important to me with Pine Grove. And I also think the vocal performances are often impacted by the pacing. So Evan really showcases a lot here that has not been on the album so far up to this point. And I think that's not a coincidence that it's on a track like this. Um, I think he, he and the track kind of like play off each other so well. It's incredibly fun and an entertaining track to listen to in light of all that. So Andrew, what are your thoughts?
0: I, I know I'm new to Pine Grove, But to me, this is the perfect Pine Grove song. I think that this shows off so many incredible Pine Grove elements that to me are the Pine Grove staples. So it's Evan's melodies, cadences, falsetto, their drum and guitar groove, their dynamics that can punch you in the face and lull you to sleep in the same song. And you can hear that in the song. It is a huge song. And at the very end, it goes really beautiful and has some really cool and intricate parts that, again, it's that punch you in the face, which it basically does right away. It actually reminds me of Dotted Line in the sense that the beginning of the song, it, it pulls you right in to the song instead of just kind of like, oh, we've got this nice intro. And like it doesn't really grab you till the chorus. This grabs you right away. And then again, it has that really beautiful ending that's that's kind of this drawn out ending and has just so many cool parts there. So it's it's loud and soft, and it shows, in my opinion, every single thing that makes Pine Grove a really good band is is in this song. So to me Great track. I'm glad it's the first single too, because again, this is this is that song for me that I was like, okay, new Pinegrove song. Let me see what their approach is. And to me, it's it's one of the better tracks on the album, and so it pulled me in and obviously made me a fan of Pinegrove. Now uh, that's kind of what it led to. So great track. All right, we're gonna move to track number six. Track number six is called Hairpin. One eye at a
1: time, I can't
0: wait to go on to be there. All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on Hairpin?
1: So I think the instrumental ending is very powerful. Um, That's definitely a huge standout part of the track for me. Evan sings at the end, I can't wait to go home to be there when the new world comes. And then he had said that earlier, but then he adds to forget where the old world was. And I think this longing for a fresh start is just so relatable that that idea or almost it's not always a fresh start but sometimes it's a removal of something negative or destructive in our lives and often when people think of home they think of what's old they think oh I miss the old days I wish things were how they were and I think that these lines almost point to a picture of how sometimes home isn't the past but it's a future often it's a place of restorative forgiveness and peace it's a place of mercy and second chances and it's not always a returning but almost like a growth and a longing for something bigger and better than what's there and i think that this is the kind of home that we all long for and i think evan describes it uh really well here so, Andrew, what are your thoughts?
0: So Pinegrove can occasionally dabble in the singer-songwriter genre, and I think this song is the best example of that. It kind of fits that that style with the slide guitar, the drums, kind of swing groove that it has the clean guitars whether they're strumming or picking and even some of the chord structure is really interesting and occasionally there's a chord in it that i wasn't quite expecting how it would sit kind of in the mix and it made for a really interesting musical landscape and i think they did such a good job with that i think if they decide to go just like hey we're going to be a singer songwriter type of band they could totally pull it off and then if they decided they wanted to be a loud band like moment they could totally pull it off if they wanted to be an instrumental band they could totally pull it off it's cool they've got a bunch of different elements and i think each element that they do they do it really well and so hats off to them it's a really good song all right we are moving to track number seven track number seven is called phase like he said it's All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on phase?
1: So when I think of the word phase, I think of your emo phase, Andrew. Yes. Would you like to talk about that?
0: I had uh, long sideswept bangs with a red streak in it, and it was dope. And I <laughs> lost a lot of friends probably during that phase.
1: Yeah, I, for some reason, I only remember you until age 14 and then after age uh 25 when you got out of that (laughs) (laughs) face. So, uh, so this song phase, it slaps and it's the second single. I'm pretty sure. I think we didn't mention, I think, um, the alarmist was the third single, but, um, it's easily one of the most fun and catchy songs of the year. In my mind, I especially love the descending melodies on the chorus. I think, Those descending melodies where he sings divided right in two, like, oh, like, I just, like, am in love with that vocal melody. However, lyrically, it's not as fun or bright of a song. And Evans ends the song with the second chorus as he sings, I'm torn right through, divided right in two, and I'm lost and I'm losing the brightest light I knew which again, so beautiful um, poetically. Uh, The verses also deal with a lot of light imagery, um, color, fading, shadows. And I think this imagery of feeling lost after the light leaves is a really beautiful and haunting way of describing that situation of losing someone in a relationship. I think that's why so many people look for rebound relationships actually, because they want that light or that certainty or that quote-unquote being loved, and that's a lot less terrifying than sitting in the darkness and examining yourself and examining the situation and being alone for a brief amount of time. It's it's scary. You don't know the future. You lack certainty, and so um, we search for rebound relationships, and so anyways, I don't know why I went off in that way, but I definitely can understand why he's talking about that darkness after losing somebody in that type of way. And I think he does it beautifully. So, Andrew, uh, a.k.a. my rebound, uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on FaZe?
0: So, I think it's interesting, actually, that you brought up my emo phase Because I would say this song sounds the most kind of emo, punk, pop. Of any of the tracks on this album. It sounds very like early 2000s to me. And probably sounds more similar to some of the stuff that I was listening to. During that phase of my life. And I think it's it's some of the elements that maybe make it sound like that, that time period for me. It's a little bit more straightforward. And maybe more comfortable. Just like kind of. The rock songs of that time It's a little bit more straightforward for it But I love it They have a slide guitar and Evans vocals In it that obviously still bring it back To feel very Pine Grove Even though to me It's probably the most different song In the album musically And I think they do it really well But again this track stands out To me as one of the most unique ones on the album Alright let's move to track number 8 Track number 8 is called Endless
1: right, Nate, what are your thoughts on Endless? Yeah, so you brought up the country component of Pine Grove. I think this is obviously one of the most country songs on the album. Not just country, though. I would say, so I got really into Casey Musgraves when Golden Hour first came out. And I mean, I still am huge into it. But I remember reading an interview where Evan was asked, hey, what are you listening to? And he goes, a lot of Casey Musgraves, <laughs> basically. And A, I was first just like stoked that he was loving Casey Musgraves as well. But then B, it helps create songs like this. I mean, it sounds so much like a lot of her stuff, mm-hmm. even though I would say uh, the instruments might feel a little different and the production might feel different. I would say the song itself. Uh, Sounds like something she would write, especially the melodies and stuff. So what's deceiving about the song for me is it sounds like a love song if you're not really listening. And a love song that talks about an endless love. And in the bridge, it also says, hold me forever. And you're like, oh, this is such a beautiful love song. And it sounds so sweet and so powerful. But the song actually still seems to be dealing with a loss of a past love rather than the gaining of a future one or the holding of a future one or of a current and future one. Also, I think the line that uh, is at the beginning, has life given up for you right now as well, is so fascinating, almost personifying life as this separate being. And I think that type of separatism displays this idea that often life is out of our control. It's not 100% decided by us. It's like when you're in a relationship and it's not just you. Somebody else is making decisions, someone else's impact. Life often feels that way, that we can't be in fully in control. And I think him personifying it is so genius in regards to explaining and um, just highlighting that idea. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Endless?
0: Yeah, you you already explained it so well. I have written, this is 100% beautiful and 100% sad at the same <laughs> time. Where I would say the music is extremely beautiful. In, in my opinion, maybe one of the nicest, most beautiful sounding songs on the album. You mentioned Casey Musgraves. I think that's one of the things that stands out is just how hopeful her music sounds all the time. Where the lyrics of this... I don't find as much hope I think it's sad to me And I could totally see someone being mistaken Into thinking Because of the contrast Of of the beautiful music That it's a really happy song Even a love song But there's that contrast lyrically um, That it is both Happy and sad Where it's beautiful And it's kind of Yeah it's working through some stuff I really love the harmonies on the song I think it's one of my favorite harmonies on the entire album, and the outro is really, really incredible as well. All right, let's move to track number nine. Track number nine is called Alcove.
1: Alcove.
0: right, Nate, what are your thoughts on Alcove?
1: So, Evan, as we've already mentioned, uh, not wicked explicitly, but there's a ton of parallelism within his lyrics. And I'm going to spend this song and next song, like, really highlighting that. I think the parallelism in the second and third verses where he says, I'll go where I want and I'll go if you want are so interesting. The I'll go where I want is referring to not being controlled by others who are a burden to him. But the I'll go if you want is kind of letting his friends know he'll leave if he's being a burden to them. And logically, I can see how that feeling of being a burden can come actually from getting broken up with. You weren't worth the weight for them so why are you worth the weight for anyone else and even though that's not at all the case or the reality i can see how it can feel that way and why evan at this point would be feeling that way with his friends after feeling that way in a relationship like he wasn't worth that burden or that weight and then sonically unlike endless it really matches up well with the lyrics i think the song comes across as extremely sad As the closing instrumental kicks in, it really does feel like a soundtrack where someone is turning around and walking away from their friends. Like the two, the lyrics and the music just match up perfectly. There's no confusion and it just hits really hard because of that. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Alcove?
0: Yeah, I would say this song, similar to Hairpin, has kind of that singer-songwriter sound to it. And after Endless, this song, it starts to settle the album into a lower dynamic than the album kind of started out with. And I really love the simplicity of this track. And then after verse 3, they bring in their really big dynamic, and it just kind of rounds this out as just a very Pine Grove song where it kind of settles you in and then there's a huge dynamic that, that builds there at the end of the track and I think it's really perfect Alright, let's move to track number 10 Track number 10 is called Neighbor All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on Neighbor?
1: So the first time they ever played this live was at the Royale in Boston. I was at that show, and so that's cool. I didn't really like it that much. <laughs> They're like, hey, this is the first time i are playing a song live. I'm like, sick, and then I was like, this is my least favorite song you guys have made. But I've definitely grown to appreciate it and really like this song. I think... The most discord and struggle I had with the song was not really getting the lyrics. And if you don't get the lyrics, I think it's really hard to get the feel and the dynamics and how it um, transitions into the instrumental at the end and everything. I think it's just like really difficult to make sense of if you don't get the lyrics. For At least for me, that was what I was struggling with. Maybe you don't get the lyrics and you still like the song. But the parallelism, as I mentioned, is wicked cool. In the first verse he sees this little insect who flips himself over when he's on its back and in the first chorus Evan's like that was cool I love this little bug but I definitely don't have the strength to flip myself over if I was them. Then you have this possum dying in front of its house and he's trying to like help it but it's he's squirming and he can't really stand the sight of this um, opossum dying and he's just feels like he desecrates everything he says like I just like can't do anything right and the last verse is what would always confuse me I I got those first two verses I've, I got those first two choruses the last verse and chorus well not the last verse the last chorus really like confused me And he basically talks about his neighbor, who's a hunter, and he shoots these goslings. And the last chorus is, well, I love my neighbor, but I don't understand his behavior. I love that bird, but I don't ever want to take her. And I was like, I don't really get that. I don't really understand what he's trying to say. And it wasn't until I discovered the parallelism and really worked hard at understanding the first two verses and choruses that this made sense to me. And he's saying, this hunter, I really disagree with what he's doing, but I still love him and understand that he is broken and messed up and doesn't make all the right choices like me. Because even though I say I love this bird, I'm not going to take it and nurse it back to health. I'm not going to put in all the time and work to show that I actually care and actually love it. And rather than, like, hate on this neighbor, I'm going to realize the, not hypocritical nature of himself, but I'm going to realize the flaws of myself, and I just think it's, like, it's really this understanding the whole song, like, man, I say these things, I feel these things, and yet I'm just so messed up. And... There's so much beauty around me, and yet I feel so messed up. And that's kind of of it. But the the instrumental at the end, then, it makes sense with that yelling and that power and that aggression. It's almost like a frustrating instrumental, almost. Like, just letting it all out and just flushing it all out. So, sorry for that too long explanation, but... It really took me a long time to get this song. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on the track?
0: Yeah, this is one of my favorites on the album. It really does remind me a lot of a Father John Misty song, who I've been a big fan of his, so that's a a very big compliment to give, I think some of the ways that it sounds like that to me are the chord progression and the acoustic guitar and the piano. I think they sound very similar. And also just some very incredible dynamics. Um, Father John Misty has some really cool dynamics, I think, because he kind of thinks maybe as a drummer, he thinks about um, dynamics in that way. And I noticed that dynamics in this song, especially after chorus two and in verse three. They do a great job with a really quiet dynamic, and then they're able to crescendo into chorus three. they They're kind of in and out of loud, soft, um, and I think it's really cool. Then, yeah, after that chorus, they go super loud to end it. And I think, once again, their dynamics are one of their biggest strengths as a band, and this song shows that really well and then the lyrics you did a great job breaking them down i learned a lot uh from that standpoint but i even think some of the lyrical pictures that he's able to create also remind me of father john missy for some reason that's just what i hear when i hear this song and and it's a really really great song all right we are going to move on to our last track track 11 is called marigold Nate what do you think about the title track Marigold
1: so expectations will ruin you man when I saw the album I listened to Moment I saw the 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 length of this track and I went holy crap this seven minute title track is gonna be the best Pine Grove song they have ever made. You're going to feel it. I can feel the quiet, the loudness, all the dynamics. I can feel the rush. Like, I can already see it now. I can hear it now. And then you get there, and it's this damn ambient, and like, instrumental where nothing happens. <laughs> and I hated it uh-huh. the first time I heard it. I was so disappointed. I remember being in the car, being like, you got to be kidding me, especially... Cause at that time I didn't I didn't like neighbor that much. And so it was like back to back, like you gotta be kidding me. However, now that I actually me liking and understanding neighbor really helps me like this track. And me spending a bit more time looking at the overall album lyrics really helps add context to this track where I listen to this track now and I view it as a meditation. I view it as a focusing, as a listening, as not avoiding, not filling my head with noise, but just taking time to think and process and really examine. And that's what I think Evan needed to do. And that's why it works so beautifully as a title track, because it actually embodies what he was hoping to do and what he knew he needed to do and what he was avoiding doing. And so... It's genius in that regard. What I thought was a stupid filler that made no sense turns out to be extremely genius, extremely well thought through, and I would say thematically, one of Pine Grove's best tracks, even though I understand if people don't like it, I but I actually really like it now, and I think it works really, just sonically too, it works really well with Neighbor, that kind of transition and everything. I think, great track. What are your thoughts, Andrew?
0: It's weird to say, but this is an incredible track. I, I like. I didn't have those same expectations, and I like was feeling for you when I hear <laughs> what you're saying because I'm like, I totally get that. And especially if I was as into Pine Grove as you were, and if I was looking at these track listings and, and timings, and like, oh, this is incredible. When the album came out, I just listened and wasn't really paying attention to which track is which. I wasn't paying attention to, oh, this is the last track. So I hear this instrumental, and in all fairness, I did not think it was the end of the album. I was expecting a song. And then all of a sudden, after this song ends, there's a little bit longer of a gap. And I'm like, okay, when's this song going to start? And then I realized that was the ending. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I, I thought that there was more of an ending. And then I was like, Were the last two tracks an ending? Because that was a long instrumental. And so then I had to go back and kind of figure out what they did there. It is an extremely long instrumental. It's six minutes. And that's a long time for an instrumental when you're not an instrumental band. My takeaway is if they decided that Pine Grove was going to become an instrumental band, they'd probably be one of the best instrumental bands out there because this song is so well layered where it's not like using all these crazy dynamics to keep it interesting. But even though it's six, six minutes, something, it, I never get bored in the song. It's, an unconventional but a perfect ending to this album. I think exactly what you explained of it kind of being a meditation. It does feel like when you get to this point, the beauty of this track, the layered guitars, the the ups and downs of this track, it really really ends the album perfectly for me. I also feel like I could sleep to this song every night <laughs> and not get tired of it because I think it does like it is so calming. And I say that in a great way. Like I listen to music every night when I go to bed and I, I like music that, that has, it's not just like a a minute, like a short thing that's repetitive. I like something that's got more flow to it, but ideally it's not like the inception soundtrack. That's all of a sudden going to hit me in the face with this like big bass. It's something that like is really calming and this is the perfect track um, again, for that, but then also for this album to end on, I think it's just a really, really, really great ending to it. And I kind of view it then as like Neighbor Part Two. I know that's not how it's named, but these songs do feel like they're joined at the hip, that you can't really separate them ex- like too much. And that also speaks to some of their track listing. If Neighbor was. V- earlier up say this instrumental came after really any other track it wouldn't be good but it is how how they even go from neighbor right into marigold and they really they're connected their purpose together creates the perfect ending all right so we talked about all 11 tracks on pine grove's album marigold now nate We are going to pick our favorite song from this album. So how about you go ahead first and tell us all your
1: favorite track on Marigold? So that's obviously wicked hard, but I'm going to have to go with Phase. Yeah. And I just, again, love its energy. I love its movement. I love its melodies. And... Because there's only really two fast tracks on the album, Phase and Moment. It really stands out for me because there's not that many. And then I think, too, like just from a storytelling perspective, not of the record, but of me and listening to this album. After Moment came out, I was like, man, this sounds like it's going to be a great album. But after Phase came out, I was like, oh, it's definitely going to be a great album. Like, And I know it was preemptive, but like... When I listened to that track the first few times I was like I was the most excited for the record like I knew it was going to be just incredible. So So yeah, I'm going phase. What about you, Andrew? Yeah. I already
0: mentioned what this track has meant to me uh, personally for getting into Pine Grove. My favorite is Moment. There are multiple tracks I could pick. I even thought about Neighbor, I thought about Marigold, but again, it's almost you almost have to pick to me it's like picking one of them and not the other didn't work because I think they're so connected. And then I really, really like Dotted Line too. I think that's an incredible track as well. They're all really good tracks. I love phase. I I just go moment. I think it, it grabbed me, it pulled me in. It basically is the track that I credit to making me a Pine Grove fan. And I think it's one of the strongest on the album. And again, if I was going to show someone a pine grove song and go these are the elements that make pine grove a good band they're all in moment and so that's the perfect kind of representation at least for me as as for them as a band it's all in moment so all right now that we have talked about the album and our favorite tracks we are going to go through some album ratings. So we have the album broken down into five different sections, and we're going to rate these from one to 10. So the five different aspects of the album we will be rating are instrumentation, vocals, lyrics, journey, which is the flow, consistency, and length of the album, and then the package. That's the production and the album artwork. So Nate... Instrumentation, what do you give that one through ten?
1: Yeah, so this is definitely where this whole process of rating and stuff is where I'm gonna get most comparative to past works. I think for me, and I'm I don't want to give away my scores, but like I'm not gonna try and discredit Pine Grove for not being as good as past releases for certain areas because I Comparatively to the rest of everybody else, they're still killing it. Obviously, I'm not saying they're the absolute best, but I'm not saying they're not the absolute best. Anyways, instrumentation, given a 9.5. I still think there was room for improvement, but overall, I mean, very pleased with what the record did. Um, personally, I'd probably want one more dynamic track, but overall can't complain at all. What'd you give Instrumentation?
0: Yeah, I gave it nine, and I would have similar reasons. I, again, don't have context of past work to know maybe where their ceiling is as as a band instrumentally, but I do hear times that I was like, uh, like th- they do very much rely on dynamics to create really cool instrumental stuff, but I, I'd like them to maybe add some I don't know just experiment more with the actual parts that are played to to add interesting things instead of just to me the strength is dynamics and I'd like to see them experiment more with the parts that they're playing to add kind of those textures instead so I see areas to improve and so I gave it a 9 out of 10 knowing that maybe their next album they might hit 10 out of 10 uh, but I still hear some areas that I'm like oh I think they could do a little bit more here or there. All right, Nate, what do you give Evan's vocals?
1: So for literally the same exact reasons of instrumentation, I'm going to give it a 9.5. I think his vocals were solid, incredible, better than most artists. I still saw room for improvement. I still think um, he could have been slightly more creative at certain parts. And I just still felt it could have been better. But not much better. Like, it was still incredible. So what would you give the vocals, Andrew?
0: So I'm giving it an 8.5. I, again, admittedly uh, struggled with liking Evan's vocals. So they've been growing on me. If you ask me in a month, this score could maybe go up. I feel like I continually like his voice more. Some things that I maybe would like from him. He hints at a really dynamic loud like able to almost yell for stuff but he doesn't do it that much it feels like he's borderline hitting another dynamic with his voice but it feels like he shies away from that and i'd like to see him add another dynamic into his voice because I think it's there. I think he's totally capable of doing it. There's a chance he's done it on past records too. Again, I don't know context of what he's done, but I hear, again, that room for improvement. And so I'll give it 8.5. All right, Nate, what do you give lyrics?
1: So I gave the lyrics a 10, and I would say it's based off the sum of their parts. I would say this is definitely a concept record because of how he's knitted the lyrics together. And though there might be individual Pine Grove songs that are better lyrics than any of these other tracks, I would say as a collective group, these songs just work really well together lyrically. And again, I just think the lyrics... uh Really, re- they're very revelatory about who Evan is and how he's feeling and how he's processing. And I almost feel like I know him to a certain extent through listening to this record. And that's how you know when partial. Well, not that's that's one way you know an artist has really written good lyrics as if you feel like you understand them. But yeah. Anyways, what would you give the lyrics, Andrew?
0: For lyrics, I gave it a nine point five. I only gave it a 9.5, I think maybe not knowing what Pine Grove has done in the past, but still feeling like there were elements of his lyrics that were perfect and wanting maybe a little bit more. Some of that wordplay, some of just the, the poetic stuff that he does. I feel like there's a chance he could do more, but again, I don't really know context. And so 9.5, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just splitting hairs. Maybe it should be 10, but uh, I give it a 9.5. All right, Nate, what do you give the journey? That's the flow, consistency, and length of the album.
1: Yeah, so for me, just like instrumentation and vocals were really paired up in my mind, and I think a lot of how I felt about each were very tied together. I'd say journey and lyrics were extremely tied together as well, Um, and I gave it a 10. I think the icing on the cake is Marigold. Like, it would be a 9.5 without Marigold. Or I don't know, maybe it would even be a nine. But like, the point is, is that like, first off, I'd say the the album flows really well, you never feel like it's dragging. By the time I'm like, oh, please give me a fast song, they give me a faster track. And then even though it slows off at the end, Neighbor packs a punch at the end of Neighbor to really finish strong. And then again, Marigold just like thematically is just incredible, but it's so cool how it works in with the length and everything. So I have no complaints about the Journey. I would say even though I gave both Journey and lyrics a 10, I'd give Journey a stronger 10. Like I think it's the strongest part of the album for me. Um, and p- potentially the strongest Journey of any album we've done. Andrew, what would you rate Journey?
0: Yeah, so same as you rated lyrics and Journey the same, I am doing the same thing. I have the Journey as 9.5. I do have more of a definitive reason why it's not 10. And that's that's for me. I think because I don't love track 2 and how short it is I would probably rather that be later in, in my opinion I think that works better as like track 6 or something maybe after you're like halfway into the album just a shorter song feels better at least to me there and then I I almost went down from there I almost was more at 9 because the album to me settled into a low dynamic in alcove and I almost almost started to get bored but right as I was like uh, I want something a little louder. Alcove brings it up at the mm, end. yeah. And so I think what's cool is like right when I felt like I was like reaching my limit of like uh, it feels pretty, pretty low. I want something bigger. They did that. And so they do a great job, I think, through the album that you're right. It doesn't feel too long. It doesn't feel drug out. And I think Marigold, again, is is perfect. Um, Marigold and Neighbor as kind of the perfect ending tracks. Um, really strong. And Dotted Line is a really great intro track. And again, you mentioned the placement of Moment, where it kind of brings it up again there at 5. And then again at 7, bringing it up uh, with Phase. I think they were really good with their track placement, and it feels really good. All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on the package? That's the production and the album artwork.
1: Yeah, so I gave this a 9.5. Obviously, Andrew and I see a little bit differently on the, the production side. I mean, I love their production. Very few bands could pull off their production. So I don't mean it that I love it from like, if I was a producer, like I would take this strategy and implement it. I would never implement it unless I was producing for Pine Grove and the album artwork so Andrew basically all their album artwork deals like very heavily with shapes yeah and especially Cardinal and Skylight and so both those records have and well everything so far does as well but I I like the other two records anyways both those records deal a lot with squares and so they continue the squares but they do it in such a different way and it's kind of Like, I think it matches really well with the lyrics of this dark, half dark, half bright, and almost like the convergence and the the clashing uh, is just like really well done thematically. But yeah, overall, it's probably my least favorite of their album covers, but... I really like it, and I think it works really well thematically, as I said. So, Andrew, what would you give the package?
0: Yeah, again, we don't see eye to eye as far as production goes. So this is my, my lowest score. I was trying really hard to not, like, really shit on, on the production because I really do know that it is intentional. But I, I think just, to me, this is the weakest of the elements on the album. Even the album artwork, which I like, I don't love. It's It's a little bit forgettable for me that, that I feel like they could do something better. Although what's interesting, I might like it more than some of their past artwork. So even though I don't love it, I might like it more than you do, uh, even I'm not sure. But I gave the production and the album artwork, I gave that an 8 out of 10. To me, that's a B. That's that's about as much as I felt like I could give it. Anything more felt like I was just being nice. And so I was still trying to be critical. And even knowing some of their style, things that they, they chose to do from a production standpoint, I heard a couple of things that I still think they could tweak and it wouldn't change who Pine Grove is, but just maybe bringing an instrument up or an instrument down here and there might have created a slightly smoother kind of production on the album while still sounding like exactly what they're going for. So might be overly critical, but I'm giving it an eight out of 10. All right, so we have rated all five of those elements and we're gonna total them together to get our podcast score. So my personal score is forty-four point five out of fifty. Nate's is forty-eight point five out of fifty, which makes our podcast score a ninety-three out of a hundred or a nine point three out of ten. So this is a solid A as far as an album goes we both really enjoy it and we are sure that you guys do as well if you do enjoy this album then stick around we got a couple last thoughts here and including a segment that we are about to go into called fish in the sea all right nate what is fish in the sea
1: so basically fish in the sea is just explaining that Well, speaking of relationships and speaking of breakups, (laughs) man, this works out really well. There's that phrase, you know, there's a million other fish in the sea or there's plenty of other fish in the sea. And it's basically this idea that in music, there's so much music being made that if you like a certain band, most likely there's going to be bands somewhat like it that you'll like as well. And so what Andrew and I do, we go to Spotify, we click on the For Fans Of page, on a certain artist and then we find a band that we don't know yet or an, an, a singer songwriter or an artist or whatever and we recommend them to you as in hey i didn't know about this band but through doing this research i discovered them if i like Pinegrove, i like this band so andrew would you like to share your fish in the sea
0: yeah, so I hadn't heard of this band before And I think it's just uh, one guy But it's the name Oso, Oso oh, That's how yeah, at least baby. I'm going to pronounce it um, And it's the album Basking in the Glow And he kind of has this throwback pop punk sound to him With kind of some more cool modern flares to his sound And I really dug it, I thought it was good It sounds like Nate's familiar with his stuff But I think it's pretty cool I like it. So, Nate, what's your fish in the sea?
1: Before I share mine, just want to touch on Oso Oso really quick. Uh, Triple Crown guy. If I was thinking, Andrew, of saying at the end of the year when we do our top ten albums of the year. So, for those who don't know, we usually have some other things like, what's your favorite album artwork, blah, blah, blah. I was thinking, what are albums from last year that have grown on you the most this year? Or what's the album that most has grown on you? So, for instance, yours might be the Almost record. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It's funny. That's the one that was in my head. (laughs) So you're a little in my head right now. So
1: we're on the same page. For me, it would most likely be this record. This record has grown on me so much this year. And I've listened to it a lot. And so I can't more highly recommend Andrew's uh, Fish in the Sea. Cool. That being said, on uh, the Spotify page, I recognize every artist besides this one. So I really only had one option. Yeah. That being said, from the brief clips I heard, I actually thought they sounded pretty sick. And I'm excited to go back and listen more. They're called Radiator Hospital. And they're just like an alternative rock band, kind of, from what I could tell. And they sound pretty sick. So check them out. Let us know if you know them or like them. And,
0: yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to support us, you can subscribe, rate, review. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Tune in... All, all the Stitcher, all the podcast places, so make sure that you follow us there. You can also find us on our socials on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at LDLpod, and you can even email us at listening at gmail.com. We also really want to make sure that you guys are reaching out and supporting Pine Grove as of recording for this, all proceeds for all of Pine Grove's merch and everything are going to Black Lives Matter. So we also just want to shout out Helping Pine Grove and Black Lives Matter. Reach out, donate, support just um, Pine Grove and, and all your favorite artists um, during during COVID and all this kind of crazy time that we've had lately. It's really good to make sure that you're supporting people financially, listen to their music just the best that you can to support in your own way.
1: And speaking of that, on our website, which is in our um, bios on socials, we have a playlist that is only black artists and it's our favorite black artists and uh, just artists we're listening to, to help support them and just basically highlight voices that we want to be listening to right now.
0: Yeah. So thank you guys so much for checking out this episode. Have a great day.
1: Rated?